heresy, and betrayal. These are the words being used to describe the treachery of the War Master Horus and his three brothers, Materian, Fulgrim, and Angron, against the innocent hive world of Estvan III. Once a flourishing planet, now a wasteland, desolate and lifeless after the Emperor's favored son unleashed the Imperium's greatest weapon, the deadly Life Eater Virus. However, all is not lost. Some valiant legionnaires survived the onslaught thanks to quick thinking and a timely warning. Hidden deep within a bunker under the Coral City, these legionnaires broadcast the truth across the galaxy. Forever hunted, they have vowed to broadcast as long as possible and remain free. Radio Free Istvan. What's going on, Radio Free Istvan listeners? Uh, welcome to episode 18 of Radio Free Istvan. Uh, 30k horse heresy podcast out of uh texas and uh indiana i actually i'm michael i'm out of texas and ryan go ahead and say what's up ryan what's going on everybody is out of indiana a much more competitive and hardcore meta than here in texas (laughs) i don't know know about that i don't know i've never played in texas to know Uh, (laughs) he's like but if i had to i think i could hold my own (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. So what's that going on, I guys? Might, might go down there and just get shot up by a bunch of Leviathan dreadnoughts. Well, that would de- I mean, that's definitely going to happen. That's like, I don't, obviously that'll happen. Like, <laughs> but you'll, you'll learn what a death blossom is real quick. And then you'll probably yeah. arrange your list into a different way. It's like, oh, this is how I <laughs> fuck up Leviathans. <laughs> oh, they're so good. I love me some Leviathans. So... What's going on, guys? Uh, today we got a pretty cool episode for you lined up. I mean, obviously we're going to go over the hobby progress, what we've been working on. That's what we do every time we're here. Uh, if you're a first-time listener, go back a few episodes. You'll see what the whole cadence is. Uh, but we do have quite a bit of uh, user, I guess, listener help that we're going to be giving out. Uh, for starters, we have a just a generic rundown of rights of war, you know, I guess I don't even know like pros and cons of right of war. I don't really know how we would, what that even is, but we had a, a request on to go over some of the generic rights of war and uh, we'll definitely be going over some of that, but we're actually going to have a whole other segment to look forward to where we'll actually go over all the rights of war. So keep that in mind, check that out. Uh, then we're going to actually going to be going over a blood angels day of revelation list and a, raven guard list on top of that so uh keep your ears tuned for that so i guess let's just jump right in ryan dude what are you working on over there i see you i am work i so i'm working currently like as we're talking it's pretty much done i just uh working on the basing right now of the uh scandus dreadnought challenge dreadnought my one that's already uh been disqualified so this uh dreadnought's name is now scandanius disqualificatus is his name that's fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm finishing up the basing on that and then uh, got to matte varnish it and then paint all the like fleshy bits on it, a gloss after I uh, matte coat it and it'll be done. So just waiting on the basing to dry and uh, working on a little bit of that. Um, earlier this week, I primed a whole bunch of stuff. I think I sent you a picture of like my big table in my garage with all the models yep. laying out on it. Um, I think we talked about, yeah, we talked about about that on the webcast. Um, I think that's pretty much trying to think of anything else that I did. I may have built some stuff. I built so many models. I forget. 
Oh, I finished that dungeon. That dungeon's totally finished. That's the other thing I did. Did uh? Did they use like all of the dungeon like you thought they were going to, or no? It's tomorrow. Tomorrow's the indie toy and comic thing. So I'll be going to that tomorrow. He's coming early in the morning to pick up the dungeon thing. So I think he's only going to use a small portion of it, probably a third of what I painted. <laughs> but he's going to take all of it just to make you feel better. But he's going to probably only use. Nah, he'll probably leave the rest of it. It's fine. I got it set up in the other room to show my uh, game club guys when they come over. I think it looks pretty sweet. You should get so. game in today on it. I got some uh, glamour shots of it. I put it down and took some good photos of it. I can send to you if you want to see them. Yeah, we got to definitely do that kind of interested to see a mission like put together with these cobblestone little yeah we talked about dungeon. that last time i i think i'm gonna do the mountain like the mountain side thing with like an inside and outside of the mountain and do that what what we're talking about i think i think that's a pretty good um super, super heavy board. mission yeah with all that plaster on top of it yeah <laughs> So, so man, that's cool. That's all. I mean, that's a lot of work for each individual little cube to go out after it there. But uh, I'm kind of curious on your uh, on your dreadnought since we're looking at it. How are you going to run that thing? Like, are you actually going to play it? Because I mean, for for all, I mean, obviously you guys can't see it, but it's a uh, a 40k. Don't ruin it. Don't ruin it. It's it's a hell brute. It's got weapons and arms and stuff. I got multiple arms for it, so I can run that thing on it. I got this thing for it. I'm saying thing because people have to wait to see the photos. Michael's getting the sneak peek. He's the only one that's seen it. <laughs> so, like, is this supposed to be a Word Bearers Legion Dreadnought? Is that what you're going for? Yeah. Yeah. So it's supposed to match, like, because, like, if you look, you know my army. It's very, like, witchy poo or whatever. It's supposed to be, like, the box dread version of the uh, Maragal dread. I guess. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. The more yeah. Do you need some candles, bro? No, I got plenty of candles. I didn't put candles on my dreadnoughts. I just Why? got them on my tanks. I don't know. There's not a lot of spots for them. I figure a dreadnought is animate, like the way it moves around. I don't think candles would stay on it. Versus a tank. I think you could stick them on a tank. Houses. Well, yeah, you bust through a house, it's gonna fall off, but. Um, <laughs> Minor, minor set up to be like how you know going into battle like they've done the ritual on top of the tank or on the tank and then you know as it rolls into battle all that stuff's going to get burned off or tore off or whatever and then they just redo it for the next battle reconsecrate they, it they got a guy they got a candle they guy. Got a guy got a candle guy right before the battle starts they uh, they got a was, well somebody was joking about that at some point about a candle lighting servitor, like my army would have to have a candle lighting like servitors. That's all they do is like follow the tanks around on the battlefield and keep trying to relight the candles. Both of his arms are those little clickers, those little, you know, he just walks around just lighting candles on all your tanks and shit. Yeah, pretty much. That's tight. I figure since they, they summon, summon demons and like do all this other crazy shit. Like what? Those candles are just magic. It's just magic, bro. It's the power of the warp. People always ask me about candles. This can't. I'm like, I don't have to explain it. It's the power of the work. <laughs> the dark gods make sure those candles stay lit. Yeah, they there light you go. Dimly lit flames. 
But I don't know if you've ever like forgot something on the roof of your car and like drove around and then you're like get out and you're amazed to find that it's still there a lot some of oh, the yeah. time, depending on how far like so I feel like a tank just the way that it is and a candle, like a wax candle, if you the the base of it, if you I guess I figured like the way they're on the tank is they actually have like a nail or a spike welded to the tank and the candle's actually pressed onto that so it can't go anywhere. Okay. And then it's lit. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. I'm so. glad I'm glad we went into like in-depth details on like how how a candle would stay work. on the tank. Yeah. yeah. So that's my how? thought process when I thought about it. Like I I think it works. I think it would work. But I just the dreadnought is so articulated and moving around like a person. I just don't like you know having candles all over it. He's a demon, For me. bro. He he'd probably grow candles. You're right. He could probably grow candles. I never so. got that shit. But that's, um, one thing, that's one thing I don't understand about chaos in general is every time I see like, okay. So like, I always think like whenever you get like a new limb or some shit like that, or like a big ass toe, like I, <laughs> I always imagine like <laughs> out of your the, neck. <laughs> <big toe> neck. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, <laughs> toe neck. I, like I always like the way I see like, okay, it, it starts small, right? Like you're like, okay, I give myself over to the dark gods. And then, like, you wake up in the morning, and it's like, what's this thing growing? Holy shit, it's a sixth finger. I could see where this would come in handy. Like, it's like, it's a gift. You know, you need that sixth finger because, like, or, you know. And then I, like, when I look at, like, a Hellbrute, I see it's got those big-ass toes on his on his feet instead of the, you know, metal toe things. Like, he has, yeah. like, real legit toes with, like, nerves and stuff. But and I he's see, got like, five of them. He's got five of them instead of four. So, like, oh. yeah, yeah. When I look at that, I think to myself, I'm like, okay, that makes sense because, like, if I was a dark god and I was like, okay, I want to gift this dreadnought whatever I can to make him better at his job. Like, they're, they're just, like, you know, they're just trying to make you better. And so it's like, let me go ahead and give him toes instead of these metal feet so that he can balance better. And so, like, the toes, the toes make sense. I get it. Yeah. You know, you get five big-ass toes, they go on each side and they keep you stable and you become the fastest, best dreadnought you could possibly be. Well, then they go all crazy with it and they start giving him like, you know, a horn on the fucking side of their head. And you're like, well, what does that do? Like, what did I, did I like go into battle one time and like I headbutted somebody sideways and the dark gods were like, you know what? You could use a horn there. It's scary. I don't think it impairs him. I think it's just more like it's frightening looking. So that's like the gift. Like other like people are gonna be like, "Holy shit! Don't fuck with that thing. It's got horns <laughs> all over it. It's got a horn on the side of his head." I don't know. I like that is the immediate thing. Every time I look at like any chaos model, that's just like like uh like even going into like the forty k side of things. Like uh, man, what are those fucking things called? The possessed. Yep. I judge like every last bit of those possessed guys. Like, what could what could make this you know? Well, better some of, and all that. of it is just like pointless. Like if they talk about like how you're gifted by the dark gods because you're like on this path to either become like a demon prince or a spawn. Like that's the that's the the only option you have. So like you're blessed with all these mutations. If your body can't handle it, it's like goes out of control and you like end up with all these random mutations. You become a chaos spawn. And then if you can last through it, you get all these gifts. At some point, you achieve enough glory in the name of the Dark Gods that you're elevated to demonhood. Okay, well, look at this. 
Look at your Hellbrute. I'm actually looking at a Hellbrute model right now in front of me on the yeah on the on the interwebs. What is he gonna do with those armpit horns? Like, what do you do with those armpit horns? Is it mine? Doesn't have that. Yours doesn't have I think that? there's different arms. Yeah, I don't think I have that on mine. Oh well, you're yeah, you do. Yeah, they're right there. I think you you painted them as tongues, but everybody oh, they're else tentac- paint- they're tentacles. They're tentacles. They look like horns. Yeah, they're tentacles, man. So armpit tentacles. Like, in- let's let's talk about what you do with a tentacle, right? You grab tentacles some shit. Are- grab yeah, some well- shit and strangle the life out of it. <laughs> so like so like this is like the ultimate like asshole uncle who like grabs you with his tentacles, pulls you into his armpit, and like and this is all fleshy now, so I'm guessing he has like some sort of Well there's a mouth there, if you look. They're coming out of a mouth. Oh, so he eats you with his armpit. Yeah. Just sucks you in and just chews your fucking face off. While he while his other murder arms are doing other stuff. <laughs> Could you imagine some poor militia guy? Like how fucking terrifying. Like, the other ones are getting murdered by all the other stuff on it, and then like one tries to get away and the tentacles come shooting out and just like pull him into the armpit and bite his fucking head off and it just goes oh. on about its day. I'm gonna order a Hellbrute model off of eBay, because I know they're cheap as shit, right? They're like nothing. I'm gonna go find yeah, the a starter Hellbrute box model. one. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm going to cut those tentacles out, and I'm going to take some Cadian legs. I'm going to put them inside the armpit mouth. <laughs> the mouth's show not the... that big. What you need to do is do the entire, just cut its head off, and it's like the whole body. Like, it's, like, been sucked in at, a, like, a great velocity where he's, like, stiff as a board, like, getting, like, drugged through the air, and it's just, like, the body is <laughs> straight sticking out of the side of the dreadnought. So... so this reminds me, so people need to look this up if they've never read it. It's one of the greatest things, the greatest reads on the internet. You need to Google a day, a, a short story, day in the life of a chaos space marine. Have you ever read that? No, I've never even heard of so it. So I don't even know who to credit with this, but some glorious human being a long time ago literally wrote a daily diary, but he wrote the diary as if he was a chaos space marine. So it's like day one, we landed on this planet and like he just talks about what happened that day and he updated it and wrote this whole thing out like it's a real diary about this Chaos Space Marine and it's fucking glorious. It's really good. It's very, like I said, like I laughed out loud several times. It's just called A Day in the Life of a Chaos Space Marine. It's like a little, like a diary. Did you find it? Yeah, it's on, uh, it was, it looks like it was originally on 1D 4chan or it was on a Warseer. And yeah. they moved it over to 1D 4chan. So, a Chaos Space Marine's diary. Yeah. Uh, the following text made up of notes from a diary of a Chaos Space Marine in the Black Legion. Day one. Arrived at new camp on planet Yahar. Started to feel pain in the left arm. No idea why. Hung piece of paper on Brother Artie's backpack reading, Purge Me. And had a good and sinister laugh with the rest of the lads. Brother Behemon painted the coolest ever wing skull on his shoulder plate yesterday. It was brutally butchered by the Gov for being a Night Lord sympathizer. (laughs) So, like, imagine this, but there's, like, I can't tell you how many days. It's really fucking funny, though. So the the pain in his... Holy crap. There's so many pages. Oh, it's so good. (laughs) Day five, week eight. Yeah. You literally what? I sat one day and just like read through all this at work and was laughing my ass off. Like there's so many good things in there. But anyway, you were talking about the useless mutations, like his best friend in the diary, like in his diary entries, like keeps getting mutations, but they're all pointless. Like he ends up like 
squirrel hands and a fucking fishtail <laughs> coming out of his ass and like some weird like squid face or something like none of it does anything other than just make like if you imagine what he looks like he just like is this really like weird chimeric creature that looks really fucking stupid by the end of it it's really funny <laughs> dude that's i couldn't imagine like i couldn't imagine being like like let's say you were the least gifted out of all your other possessed bros like let's say let's talk about what uh man what are they called the word bearers Galvorback. Galvorback, yeah. Yeah, Galvorback. Imagine like being the least gifted Galvorback. Like you just barely make the cut to be a Galvorback. <laughs> like you just like you got big ass legs, but your arms aren't really that great. Like you're just kinda like a you know, he's kinda like the weakling of the group. It's like, man, I really hope my I hope I hope my mutations come in. Like like <laughs> I don't know. I it's, there's just so much things I look I, I I maybe that's why I don't play chaos maybe that's why I don't have any chaos models or traitor faction models just because I don't get it I just like it because it affords so many that's why I went with word bearers because they were the first one to go like off the chain and like they already had like right from the get go they had the Galvorback models out which are like straight possessed looking creepy dudes so it's like cool I want to do a whole army that looks like this. Because it allows for so many conversion opportunities. Because it's like, oh, cool. I play Raven Guard. I can paint all my shit black. Easy. And <laughs> I know. I'm just, I'm just using an example. You know what I mean? But it's like, what do you do for conversions? It's like, uh, I, got, I put Beaky Helms on my guys and painted them black. Cool. Converted up. You know, like, it, time. yeah. Same, like, same thing with like my salamanders like i put like all my sergeants i gave those uh fantasy uh sea dragon cloaks from the uh the dark elf guys the corsairs yeah like i used i used a bunch of those cloaks in my army and that was really i mean that's really all you can do it's like what else do you really do you know like that kind of thing like my blood angels there's actually quite a few blood angel bits with all the 40k kits out there there's all kinds of like emblems and symbols and things like that and then with the being able to take assault cannons on stuff there's a little bit of conversion there but it's just like some gun swaps and here's some fucking icons i glue on some stuff you can't really get like really crazy where if you go like a full-blown chaos themed traitor legion which there's really only a few that make sense i think emperor's children make sense um word bearers make sense those are really the only two that make sense right now in the current timeline. Obviously by the end of the heresy, I think you'll see a lot more of that. To me, that's much more interesting. You end up with a lot more unique looking armies and like cool shit to look at in your army and things you can do where people are like, Oh, that's so awesome. You have armpit tentacles that eat Cadians. I, uh, I was actually considering on the, like doing the third company emperor's children list, but doing them, Right, like an angel exterminatus, where like they they fell off the fucking deep end. Yeah, it's the fucking freak train when they come out of the. They like show up and they're like playing fucking Zanfir and his pan flute or whatever, and like all these like militia <laughs> dudes are running around and like laying on the ground and they're like marching over them and they're wearing like fucking fish hook bikinis and shit and running around like that kind of like they're just crazy. Yeah, yeah they, I think they even mentioned that like like some of them had their armor painted like what like would be like jaguar and like 
uh yeah yeah leopard like print. color leopard print and stuff like that yeah like that's like old school rogue trader noise marines where they like straight look like uh david lee roth uh <laughs> like van halen costume like they're wearing the fucking football pants and a leopard print bandana and like like a fucking fur vest or some shit just weird stuff yeah so it's really considering that like uh, that would be there's no line painting when you do something like that like it's all well spent six hours painting this guy like this like it, nuts i know somebody that took a made an emperor's children land raider and made the where the top came off and he or put the made the interior like one of those crazy vans from the 80s and put like shag carpet in it and put furniture like a bed in it with leopard print sheets and stuff like in the actual land raider like doll furniture like that's a, a joke get a picture of that what are you doing like i don't think he has it anymore i think he tore it apart and made it into an orc battle wagon but he made built one as a joke like an emperor's children land raider with like you know like a disco ball in there and some other shit it was pretty funny had a bunch of furniture and crap in it it's pretty funny <laughs> sounds so sweet so yeah so that's what you've been working on <laughs> Yeah, like I said, I just I, I finished that dungeon. That was the big project. I got that totally done. I primed a bunch of models, and then I'm um, within probably an hour of finishing this uh, Scandanius Disqualificatus Dreadnought. That's exciting. I still uh, I put too much battle damage on my Scandis Dreadnought, so I got to go strip it. I went crazy <laughs> with it. Too much battle damage. Yeah, I went with, uh, I tried to do the sponge effect, and then it just looks stupid, so I was like, okay, well. So, so we can talk, so this Dreadnought, because you asked, like, so what I, what I got, I can do dual close combat weapons, dual close combat weapons, this will be a chain, this will be a chain fist, counts as chain fist. You don't even have to have an arm there, you just use the armpit. Yeah, so this will be a chain fist. Um, that's obviously a power fist. Then I have a flamestorm cannon and a melta gun or a multi melta for the other arm or this power fist. Boop. So that's how Super it can fun. be on. So it could be dual close combat or have a multi melta or a flamestorm cannon. Could you imagine like the first Space Marines to see a like possessed legion dreadnought coming out of a legion dreadnought drop pod like they see the the dreadnought drop pod come down hit the ground they're like okay it's just gonna be a normal as box i'm not gonna have to worry too much about it and then they see that thing big ass feet and just hauling ass out of it like i imagine those are somehow faster than dreadnought cast a ferrum pattern drop the dreadnoughts well like i said um that would be scary. That's what all the horns and the fleshy bits and the tentacles and all that. Like, imagine, like, trying to fight, like, it's bad enough trying to fight a Dreadnought, but you got this one with all that shit whipping around. It's like, you know, <laughs> it's like not just killing you, but, like, it's got all those mouths on it. It's, like, grabbing your buddy and, like, ripping off pieces <laughs> of him and, then like, stuffing it into all the mouths on its, like, carapace and shit. It's creepy as shit. That's just the pretty scary. I just imagine your fucking commander trying to trying to get you uh motivated okay boys we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna fight and all of a sudden like a fucking tentacle whips out and he gets eaten by the armpit <laughs> just sucked in 
Well, well imagine because all these got like these big sharp points on them. Imagine like all those just like together, like forming into one point and like just darting into your body and then just like spreading apart. You're just like just flung into chunks. Like that wouldn't be cool. Dude, you need to paint those with some blood for the blood god. I haven't got to that part yet. You got to do that after you matte varnish because if you paint blood for the blood god and then matte varnish it, it looks like shit because it dulls it out. That's gonna be sweet. It's gonna be so bloody. Man, dude, we went real, real deep into the chaos side of that little dreadnought there. I love it. I love it. I love chaos stuff. It's awesome. Put it. Put little legs in its armpit. You'll be good to go. <laughs> so yeah. So me. So what'd dude, you do? I, uh, Thunderhawk. That's pretty much it. Just I've seen you working on it on the webcast. So Sunday night before, like it's probably like. 8 o'clock at night, I was like, eh, let me go ahead and just hit this up with some Chaos Black. And then it wasn't until, like, by 1 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock in the morning, I had all the layers of red on it. <laughs> like, there was no turning back at that point. I was like, okay, I'm painting this fucking Thunderhawk this week. So I got all the red down. I got all the uh, uh, the crevices painted with null oil and the thing yep. is okay so there's no reason for me to even have this thunderhawk like painted blood angels i just wanted to see what it would look like painted blood angels so like i'm never like unfortunately this isn't going to be in a list that i'll be playing anytime soon i made a list for it like i sent you that list with yeah a couple of dreadnoughts riding in it and having fun but realistically it's just not worth the points at that point level for a thunderhawk and whatever so anyway Started painting this thing up. Uh, I got all the null oiled edges and all that jazz down. Uh, and then I, like uh, David Sampson at one point a long time ago, apparently he doesn't do it anymore, but he had brought up the... Uh, um, the rivet painting with the, the gold. Well, doing yeah. the rivet painting with uh, the silver Sharpie. So I did that, and dude, I was like so... Like, all you guys listening out there, if you go to to Walmart right now, there's a there's metal metallic sharpies that you can use to like instead of like actually like dipping your brush and paint and then tagging six rivets and then dipping it again and all that stuff, just grab the sharpie and you just go to town, dude. Just hit it all up, and uh, it doesn't run out of ink. You could shake it if it starts getting duller, and you just knock out fucking rivets with that thing. You got to make sure that you uh, matte varnish it pretty quickly. Because if you touch it, it smears. Like, it it will come mm. off just from touching it, from the oils on your hands. So once you get one side done, maybe matte varnish it up and then get the other side done, matte varnish that up. But once those rivets are painted, man, it, I mean, it makes such quick work of rivets. It's nuts. It's insane. It's a, would such you, fun would you were You repainted your silver rivets gold on the webcast, and the whole time you were doing it, I was in my head, I was singing the... Uh, Steve Carell from 40 year old virgin, but <laughs> I'm painting your silver pants. pants blue, but I was saying I'm painting my silver rivets gold in my head that's as you were doing it. Like I could see you doing it like your face. You were concentrating on it. I was thinking that's what's going through his head right now. I'm painting your silver rivets gold. <laughs> Actually, what was going through my head is every time I tag a rivet, I go boop in my head. Boop. <laughs> <laughs> so like, so every rivet I hit with that marker, I just be, Like, I just, the whole thing, (laughs) like, I I don't know. 
the faster I go, the more boops I get. It's like a little song. That's pretty so, funny. Yeah, I knocked out all those rivets in like pff, like 20 minutes, 30 minutes. It was badass. It, it works so quick. I took pictures for people online to see. Like, uh, I posted up on Reddit just so they can like check it out, see like how quick I could get that stuff done. And then it's like I was looking at the book six, page one hundred, the Blood Angels, uh, Blood Angel Spartan that they have on there, and I realized that they don't paint their rivets silver; they paint their rivets gold, and that's why I changed up my rivets to gold. And I was like, I, like normally, if I were to do that with a paintbrush. I'm like, oh, fuck that. I guess mine are going to have silver rivets. But because I had this gold permanent marker, I was like, yeah, no problem. We'll go ahead and knock it out real quick. Boop, 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 boop. And so, no problem at all. However, I did also see while I was looking at that, that Blood Angels 30K Spartans, they have a gold trim around a lot of their armor panels and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So... um. I tried doing some myself and actually, you know, just using the gold marker and just like drawing a straight line, but it does not work as well as I thought it would. Like it's not, I'm not as clean with my hand as like a artisan blood angel. So yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I'm actually, I, I talked, I consulted my buddy Sam on like, apparently he's got a way to print up some decals and stuff like that. But I'm thinking what I'll end up doing is, I will take a piece of paper, put it over one of the panels that I want the the actual gold outline to be, and I will, I don't know, probably just end up tracing it out, scanning it, and then printing it. But the problem is gold doesn't, metallic gold doesn't come out really well on laser jet scanner or whatever like that. So I don't know. I got to figure something out. I do want a big ass mural on the side of my Thunderhawk though. And so I'll definitely be hitting that up on a on decal version. So like a giant mural decal, cut that up into the panels that I want and then use some Microsoft Microset. Hopefully it sticks. Good to go. There you go. We'll see. So, that's what I was working on. It's up there. You can see it. Oh wait, no you can't. Yeah, now I can see it. Yeah, I saw. Like I said, I saw you working on it. It looked good from what I could tell when you had it close. It's the super camera. red. I'm yeah, just glad that that, that dungeon that dungeon thing's done, man. That was a slog. <laughs> I could imagine. Slog. I could imagine like being that like invested into something, and it's like not for you. You know, <laughs> like you just just shows how good of a guy you are. You just keep on slugging it through. Well, the thing is, like, I have to hand it over to a bunch of eight-year-olds, so we'll see how that works out. Nah, you'll be all right. Probably not. Hey, eight-year-olds, here's some, like, super delicate plaster that I spent, like, 20 to 30 hours painting. Who the fuck gave you grapefruit punch? (laughs) Who gave you (laughs) grapefruit? I already told Brian, the guy that's borrowing it for the the thing, I was like, look, they're eight-year-olds. Just so you know, if it just gets dropped or broken or boogers on it, or whatever happens. I don't care. It's fine. I already have a bunch of drunk 30-somethings that come over every other weekend and fuck up all my other tables with beer and everything else getting spit, spilled on them, so That's I like don't the freak out that. Of an 8-year-old. Yeah. 30-something-year-old drunk is 8-year-old equivalent. 
So I've already accepted in my head that something may happen and I'm not going to get upset about it. So, I mean, best case scenario, nothing does happen to it. But if something does, it's all good. I can fix it. I got I got paint and glue. I can fix it. <laughs> you're going to get that. You're going to like have a big chunk of the tiles like tinted red from somebody spilling grapefruit on it or grape juice. Grape juice. Just juice bark. box. Juice box. Yeah. Just they probably have sippy cups box. and shit. Make them use eight year olds. I don't know. I don't know anything about kids, man. I don't have any kids. Teach you what an eight year old does. Why? I don't know. Just in case you start painting more stuff for him. In case this becomes like a a charity job now. Nah. I'll get it back. Like I said, I'll probably use it for thirty k somehow. So I'll send you pictures in case you. Like I said, if you want to post them on the. Uh, um, our little page thing, Facebook, that thing. Yeah. I don't know. I'm still working on the Dreadnought Army, dude. I got so much Dreadnought drop pods, I still need to actually get to. Uh, I kind of coerced Samson into saying he'd paint them, but I've got to have them by October 2nd. So really, I think it's just like, there's no time to ship it to him, have him paint him and send him back. I think I'm just going to have to knock him out. Hmm. So. What what is he what was he painting all the dreadnoughts or just the drop pods? Just drop pods. Seven pods, seven dread pods. If you don't do the line highlighting step on them, if you just hold off on that. Yeah. Because when they come down, they open up anyway. So you do all this fucking I know this for my salamanders cuz I own like 15 drop pods for that army. Mm -hmm. like drop pods slash dread claws slash dread not drop pods slash you know i like of drop pods like of all varieties i own like a total of 15 and i painted most of them and i painted eight of the standard plastic kit and they look so good when all the doors are closed like because all the it's all line highlighted all the details all the rivets are painted and then you set them on the table and the petals open up and it's just like silver mm -hmm. like wash with nolan oil it's like ugh. like it looks so much better when they're closed so it's like what I'm sit getting at on the Dreadnought Drop Pod, like, you can literally just open it all up, and we've already... Did you did you paint the inside silver before you airbrushed it? Uh, it's black. It's black inside. Oh, okay. But, but the, the petals aren't attached to anything. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yours will be easier to paint. So, basically, you can just paint all the guts of that, like, silver, wash it with some known oil, maybe do some dry... You know, there's not really a lot to it. And then on the outside, if you've done the airbrush red step... And then, um, have you done the red on the outside yet? Yeah. Yeah. So you, you've the already done that. Black. So, you, so you just paint the known oil, you know, into the cracks or whatever, and then maybe just paint the rivets and call it good and then hold off on the line highlighting. You can do that pretty fast. You should be able to do several of them in a night. It shouldn't be that bad. It's the line highlighting that takes forever. I have five, uh, five drop pods that have no paint on them. So I'm thinking I'm just going to be lining up like 15 of the leaflets the drop pod doors, doors. and yeah. just hitting them up all the same time and then doing the five just in red the what, what gets me is the uh like the outside like this little outside i don't know how to put it i don't know what they're called you know on the actual like i guess spine itself it's got those three little spines and there's like that metal chunk that you got to paint on there. That's the only thing that's going to mm -hmm. slow me down. So 
because I got to re retouch that up in black and then hit it up in silver. So we'll see. I got to do that by October 2nd because that's going to be the list. I'll be definitely be taking to Golars is a one of my Dreadnought Drop Pod renditions. But other than that, I mean, the good news is all my Dreadnoughts are painted. So they're all ready to go. I just need to get two more attack bikes made up by then as well. Oh, wait, it's 3,000 yeah. points. I might need some other stuff. You got a Thunderhawk. I don't want to use it, though. <laughs> I, I can't imagine. Like I'm thinking about like what the benefit. Like I shouldn't have spent so much time. Like I ran through all my Mephestin model air on that Thunderhawk, so I got to get some more of that. That Mephestin red, but uh, like I can't. I I don't. I just don't see the benefit of taking a Thunderhawk. Like I don't. It's it's a very cool model. It's got what eight Hellstrike missiles on it, or six Hellstrike missiles. I think it's six. I think six. Yeah. Yeah, so like which are really good now. Yeah, yeah. So that's fun out the gate coming in. You get to fire all of them, no questions asked. Add and different then, shit if you want. Yeah, and it's like you get a hell strike, you get a hell strike, and then uh, it's got two it's last cannons. It's got four twin linked heavy bolters, and it's got a turbo laser if you're smart. And we can't. I can't take a turbo laser. Why? It's like seven hundred ninety five points with the turbo laser. 3,000 points and 25%. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can only well, take the 7-2 yeah. version. The battle cannon thingy? Yeah. the. I think it's a 7-inch blast, 7-2, isn't it? Nah, it's more powerful than that. I thought it was more... I thought it was pretty, like, strength 9 AP2. I thought it was almost like the Baneblade gun. I'm going to look right now. It's, it's not strength D, though, so it makes me sad. Not, I mean, I don't, honestly don't really like. We've talked about that before. The strength D rules are like back when you were a kid and you played GI Joe and you're like pew pew, your guy's dead because I said so. That's pretty much how strength D works. So I'm not a huge <laughs> fan of it, but it is what it is. Have you ever played with the modified uh, strength D rules that come? Yeah, in they took one? them out. They took them out though. They used to be. No. If you read the new, because like that whole section was essentially redone in the newer red books, like how you build your army, how you construct your army, you know, what Lord of Wars you can take all that. That's where that strength optional strength D used to be at was in there. So I don't know. I mean, it's still in print, I guess, cause it's in one of the like thicker black books, if I remember right. So I guess you could still use it if you wanted. It's actually pretty cool. I, I like that better than actual strength D personally. Okay. Here it is. It's 72 inch range, strength eight, AP three. Primary weapon, massive blast, seven inches. Okay. Thunder so it's just cannon. a really big battle cannon. Yeah. I thought this thing had void shields. I could have swore it has void shields. It's nope. supposed to have void shields, isn't it? Nope. I think Dorns does. Oh. Son of a bitch. So it's 12, 12, 10. Nine whole points. Yep. I think last time I took one, I took the uh, Ram diffraction, diffraction Grid, which lowers the strength of the shots coming in. Oh, no, that was the Voidcrafted Hole. I don't know. 
trying to decide if I should take a flare shield or because it already comes with armored ceramite. It comes with machine spirit, even though you don't really need it. Oh, another thing that I end up doing is I hit up all the guys to see if they had Sakarans sponsons with the heavy bolters. Mm. And there's a I think a Zach had some and Jay both had some Sakaran heavy bolter side sponsons. And so uh what I'm doing is I'm taking those side sponsons and I'm putting them where the heavy bolter turrets go mm-hmm. on the uh or the the heavy bolter sponsons. So it makes it look more thirty K than the forty yes. K heavy bolters. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I'll that's what I'm gonna be doing for that as well. But I don't know, man. Have you ever played a Thunderhawk or played against one? Nope. Never once. Mm. I might run one just for the cool factor. I just need to figure out what upgrades I want to take for it, but still keep it. Because it's 685 with no upgrades. And with the turbo laser, it goes above 750? It's 90 points for the turbo laser. So 90 plus, what did you say it was? 685, so it becomes 775. They did it. They did that on purpose. They know they did that. They know why they did that. They don't want you running around with a turbo laser. Yeah. I don't know. If I do run it, I'll end up running. Because uh, with that list, I'll have to take a Forge Lord, Forge Lord Apothecary, all that jazz. Uh, but I'll run the Forge Lord inside of the Thunderhawk. And then I'll run three little tech Marines in there with him keep putting whole points back on it keep putting whole points back on it and then plus it adds to my legionist of star days so i can have more dreadnoughts if i wanted and i could drop the right. bikes so definitely the way i'd like to go because the bikes just they're fun but they can't you know i just don't see like at three thousand points there's a lot of things that could hurt them while they're driving around uh, yes they can jink and everything but yeah uh, we'll have more. We'll have a in more in depth Thunderhawk conversation offline. <laughs> kind of. All right. I don't know much about it. Like I said, I'm not a huge super heavy guy. I just started getting some of the, like the Bane Blade sized tanks, but I've still never even used. Every time I write a list, I'm like, eh, I don't want to take this and just take other stuff. It's just more. I think they look cool. Build them. Conversation piece. Put it online and watch everybody whine about all the assault cannons on it. <laughs> Yeah, I regret not being able to have assault cans on the on the Thunderhawk, but yeah, whatever. Yeah. Well, it makes sense that you can't swap the heavy bolters for heavy flamers on a Thunderhawk. It'd be kinda pointless. I don't know, dude. You gotta clear clear a fucking path for people coming out that assault tank that uh, assault ramp. Yeah, I guess. I'm just I'm kind of interested in seeing what Legion Dreadnoughts look like when they're charging out of a Thunderhawk gunship just insane because they get the disembark and all that jazz and then gets assault right in it's gonna be sweet what it reminds me have you ever seen that image online that has the front of a thunderhawk with the ramp down with a bunch of marines like coming out of it but they're like half in shadow because they're descending the ramp and you just see their glowing eyes and it says yeah. how avatar should have ended <laughs> yeah i've seen that <laughs> That's what that always reminds me of. It's like, oh, cool, you you beat these militia dudes that were just like 
running the mining facility. Enjoy Just, this. Yeah, now. <laughs> <laughs> we needed that unobtainium yeah. for the emperor. I don't know. I, I imagine this Thunderhawk just like rolling up, going into hover mode and just like spewing two dreadnoughts onto somebody and then probably dying from just getting shot the fuck up. But the problem is I don't I don't think super heavy flyers can jink anymore. I think they took jink away. I think that's part of the stipulation of being a super heavy flyer. So you don't even get the jink save. Then why would they give it machine spirit? I don't know. <laughs> well fuck. Now I gotta figure out. Why I could be wrong spirit. about that. Like I said, I don't know a shitload about super heavies. I just because I don't ever really run them or play against them that often. But I thought the super heavy flyers couldn't jink. Well, I can look that up. But we'll look it up later. Okay, let's go over this. Uh, this rights of war, man. All right. So you want to read the email, or do you want me to read the email? You read the email. Yeah, because uh, that's it. that's your job. You're the reader oh. guy. I'm looking. I'm, I'm trying to see if I have people don't want to hear my nasally voice. I try to try to get you to talk as much as possible so they don't have to listen to me. We're waiting, Michael. We're waiting. I'm looking. I'm, I've, got, <laughs> I've got Andrews. So professional. Is, We're so professional. Where do we get it on? We didn't get it on email. Uh, Yeah, we did. Did I not forward it to you? I know I forwarded it to you. I'll just read it. Thank you. So, so <laughs> we got this from uh, Joseph Harley. Uh, so he says, greetings from the UK. My name's Joseph, and I'm thinking about picking up a Betrayal of Calth set or two, maybe, and getting into 30K. I'm pretty much a complete beginner. I've only played 40K in 6th and early 7th edition, but I'm sure I'll catch up soon enough. Um... And I've done some background research. And then he says, you know, the research I've done was from listening to your show, reading forums, etc. Could you please explain how the generic rights of war work and which is best for each legion? I'm particularly interested in how the Primarch's chosen right works, as I'd really like to be able to fill the Primarch whenever I can. Winning is not my strong point anyway, so I might as well just use stuff that I find cool. And I'm not sure about the whole how the whole Primarch becoming an HQ thing works, whether it removes the Lord of War restrictions or whether he can be your compulsory HQ, etc. Thanks for reading, Joseph. So, on this episode, me and Michael discussed it. We're not going to go through every individual right of war on this episode. We're going to make that our own segment. So, uh, to answer to spe- me specifically talking directly to Joseph... Um, whenever we do that, I'll make sure that I email you a link or have Michael email you a link so you'll know, so you can listen to that. Um, but we will go over like basically how, what allows you to select a right of war and what that means. We're not going to get into each individual right of war. We will go ahead and talk about Primarch's Chosen since that was one you specifically brought up. So... The thing about Rights of War, you can only select one if you have a character that has the Master of the Legion rule. So Primarchs have Master of the Legion, Praetors have Master of the Legion, Delegatus has Master of the Legion, um, and then the 
there are some independent characters that have it that, you know, don't like uh, our Millis Dynat, guys like that. But you have to have that Master of the Legion rule. So the other thing you need to know about a Rite of War is you can only take a Rite of War if you're using the standard Age of Darkness um, four sword chart. So if you want to use Onslaught or you're wanting to use uh, Castellan or Leviathan or any of that, basically you're forfeiting your chance to take a Rite of War. So you're going to have to use the standard Age of Darkness. Uh, the other thing about Rites of War, you can only ever have one. So even if you had like a Primarch and a Praetor in your list, so you had two guys Master Legion, you can only have, oh, it doesn't matter. You can still only have one Rite of War. Um, you can still, you can take a Rite of War even if your Master of the Legion character is not your Warlord. So say you're playing Salamanders and you have Cass and Dracos uh, in your army and you want him to be your Warlord, but you also have a Praetor. Um, that's fine. Cassandracos can be your warlord as long as you have somebody else in your army that has access to a uh, riot of war, some other master of the Legion character, then you're good to go. You can take one. Um, a lot, you know, different rights of war obviously have, you know, different restrictions. There are generics and then there are, every Legion has two Legion specific ones. And then there's like a list of like 10, I think it's 10, Generics. I think there was five original and they added five more. I could be wrong on that. And then there are a few that are like uh, expansion specific. Like there was there's one for uh, Zone Mortalis, I guess. So you would only obviously want to take that if you're using the Zone Mortalis expansion. Right. So, um, yeah. So basically when you take one of these rights of war, they're going to give you access to like maybe open like declare something is troops that's not normally troops maybe make units scoring that aren't normally scoring maybe give you you know special dedicated transports add universal special rules to your army whatever so you're going to have this list of benefits and then you're going to have a list of restrictions on how you can build your list and whatever and all rights of war have like a fluff reason as to why they work the way they do and if you forge world's done a really good job of the units that they restrict you on and the, the extra stuff they give you typically really fits well with the uh, the fluff behind the right of war. So it's kind of a fluffy way to build your army that also gives you some bonuses for running it that way. Um, that's pretty much just like generic talk on what a right of war is and how you select one and all that. Do you have anything to add to that, just being generic, Michael? No, I mean, that's pretty much nailed on the head. I mean, without actually going into the individual right of wars, like, yeah, it's pretty simple, simple, simple put. I mean, right. So we'll, we'll put that episode out soon. We'll try to, we may actually even, we might record it today uh, when we get done recording this, but we'll, we'll get it out for you soon. Uh, we'll definitely work on that. So as soon as we get that out, Joseph, I'll send you the link and uh, everybody can listen to that going over all the generic rights of war. So we will talk about this Primarch's Chosen thing. So here's the thing about that. So the Primarch's Chosen right of war, for the most part, is pointless if you play 2,000 points or above. Because if you play 2,000 points or more, you can select a Lord of War anyway, so you can just use your that slot to take your Primarch. No Primarch currently is more than 500 points. So right at 2,000 points, they'll all fit into a list. Um... So there's really no 
because when you when you use the Primarchs Chosen, you lose access to Lords of War. Like it specifically states a Primarchs Chosen list. One of the restrictions is it can never take a right of war. The Primarchs Chosen right of war makes the Primarch an HQ choice as opposed to a Lord of War choice, and then you can't take any other Lords of War. So it's really no different than just using your Lord of War slot on a Primarch normally. The only like benefit you get is your Primarch can be your compulsory HQ because it does not have the you know, support officer rule or any other rule that says that it can't. So um, it just saves you on taking, a, you know, the tax, I guess, of taking a compulsory HQ. It allows you to take, uh, I believe, Terminators and Veterans as troops. But, I mean, there's tons of rights of war, other rights of war that do that. And there's also Primarchs that do that on their own and all that. So, like I said, it's really pointless for the most part. I can't. Th- can you think of any benefit of taking it no. if you're going above two thousand? Uh, not unless you want to like really trim some points off and not have right. Just HQ. so you don't have to take an HQ. I mean, you could always just. I mean, you're really if you, if you're that's the mode you're in, you can just take a fifty point centurion to do that. So really, you're only saving yourself fifty points, I guess, by doing it. I don't really see a point in it. So that means that it's really only useful if you play less than two thousand points. So the problem with that becomes if you're playing less than 2,000 points and you'd use this right of war to throw a Primarch in, you're kind of looked at as a cheesy dickhead in the community for as far as I can tell. I mean, most people kind of frown on that. And I, every event that I've ever seen that's less than 2,000 points bans this right of war. Specifically. So, yeah, they <laughs> just straight say. Yeah, because the, the reason that most events, if they're running – a heresy event and they're running less than 2000 points there's usually two reasons one is that it's a um zone mortalis event yep. and this the second is that they don't want lords of war and because 30k has a restriction where you can only get a lord of war, lord of war only unlocks at 2000 points if somebody's making an event that's less than that it's typically to disallow lords of war so you're basically getting around that by taking this you know, uh, right a war and people typically frown on that. So they just ban it. So it's not something you, you really see, I guess. Not at all. Not really. And the, the really, the only purpose I see in it is if you want to play a pretty big zone mortalis game, like say you wanted to play a 1500 point zone mortalis or 1750 zone mortalis or something like that. And you talk to your opponent and they're cool with you bringing a primark then you could run this to take a Primarch and Zone Mortalis. Yep. So. Which is pretty beardy, if you really think about it, with some of those Primarchs, but... Mortarian would be the absolute worst. Like, that gives me, like, night sweats, like, when I'm trying to sleep at night, like, trying to th- imagine trying to fight fucking Mortarian and Zone Mortalis. It's like fighting uh, warp spiders that just, like, through the fucking walls. Yeah, but it's like he's got infinite fucking phosphex bombs, so that's not fun in Zone Mortalis. Uh, he, like you said, moves like he moves six, and then you put a counter down, and then he redeploys ten inches anywhere within that counter. So that's sixteen inches, but the ten inches of movement because it's a redeploy just goes through walls, goes yep. through whatever, and then after that he can still assault. So then he gets to a 2d6 assault move and he's fleet because he's a Primarch. 
So he gets to re-roll any and all dice. So it's like, you ain't hiding from that motherfucker. He's killing you. And <laughs> I just imagine, like, he's on the other side of a fucking wall. Oh, my God, I know he's over here. And you know <laughs> next turn you're going to get charged by him. <laughs> yeah, it's like... He's in the walls. It, it's it's horrifying. And then imagine not having another Primarch to deal with him. Like, what are you going to do? <laughs> just all of a sudden, blah, <laughs> in front of you. No. Yeah. No, and he's the second hardest Primarch to kill, like running around solo. Yeah, like he's tough seven. I think he's tough seven with seven wounds with rerollable. It will not die with a two up, four up. So he's pretty crazy. He's I think Vulcan is slightly harder to kill than him because he's got a better invul save and um, all of his immunities to a lot of the weapons that are good against Primarchs. Melt the guns, plasma guns, all that. Where Vulcan gives no fucks. Um, but that's really the only reason why. Vortarian is right, right there with durability. Yeah, toughness seven. With seven wounds, right? Yep, seven wounds. Yep, he's the only seven wound Primarch, and then he's got rerollable. It will not die, and he's got a two up for it. So, pretty nasty. He's a ton of attacks. His scythe is instant fucking death, so he's ignoring all your feel no pain and all that. So, oh, I wanted to mention that I heard somebody. I think it was on one. Of, I don't know who it was, but somebody on one of the TFL uh, webcast thing was talking about. I don't know if you guys do this down there in your club, but I think you're doing it wrong. If you have Eternal Warrior and it, feel no pain, if something inflicts instant death, you don't get your feel no pain. You don't die from the instant death because you have Eternal Warrior, but it doesn't. Ignore the fact that feel no pain specifically states if something inflicts the instant death rule, you don't get feel no pain against it. So even though it's not actually killing you, you still it still ignores your feel no pain. Yeah, it, so, it hurts like a mother. It hurts like eight bitches on a bitch boat, but it. Right. So that's what I'm saying. Like it. Mortarian, it's like so. Say you like you're being cute and you like have like your Primarch and you have like an attached like Primus Medicaid, like a big bodyguard unit or whatever, even if Mortarian like hits them and it's not like doubling them out or they have something that's, you know, you know, eternal warrior or something like a Salamander Praetor or another Primarch that somehow it's getting feel no pain. You, they still don't get their feel no pain. It's still ignoring that. So even if you're not like removing models, it's still really good. Hmm. So, yeah, I, I didn't know that. I'm just trying to figure out what that would when that would have come up. Yeah, I don't know. It may not even have been you guys. I listened to so many podcasts and stuff. I heard somebody talking about that. I was like, nope, that that's not how that works. So. <laughs> now I'm imagining Mortarian and Zomortalis, and that doesn't sound fun. That's the kind of things you unlock with Primarch's Chosen. Yeah, yeah, you don't want that. Or like Kurs or Korax or any of that stuff would be bad just because of how fast they are, hit and run, all that stuff. Like you just murder through somebody's army in such a hurry. Materian would be the worst though. Materian would be oh, far and away. Yeah, he's the fastest. He's like I said, second toughest Primarch to kill. He's got like this, arguably the best shooting attack a Primarch gets, infinite Phosphex bombs. I'd say him or Vulcan, the fucking beam weapon Vulcan has is crazy. Um, I've killed so many guys. I've probably killed more models with a shooting attack than in close combat. Um, so 
Yeah. I mean, he's just a nightmare, absolute nightmare to Dylan Zomortalis. Like, you really only need him. Like, he could probably kill most Zomortalis armies on his own. We might do a battle report of that exact battle, of that exact fight. We'll have to get Zach involved, bring his Matarian. What you could do, there's actually a story that's in... So, if you read, if you read any of the novels, the third novel in, the one where they're fighting on Isvan... Three, Mortarian, when all of the, the loyalist death guard like retreat into all the underground bunkers, he basically, to prove a point, like tells all of his like guys, he's like, I got this, and just goes in solo and just kills all the remaining of the loyalist death guard, like hunts them down one by one and kills them like in these bunkers. How do you hide from Mortarian? Like, how do you, like, you don't, like- you don't. He just like runs around and finds you and murders you with his big scythe. So I hear him. Yeah. <laughs> He's just there. So, anyway, so that's like a, that's actually a really cool like it's not like they don't really get in the detail of it. They were just kind of like this happened type of thing. Um they may even allude to it a little bit in um one of the big black book. I think it's book 1, I guess. But I I know for a fact they talk about it in book in the uh, third black library novel and in some of the other in some of the other sources i thought it would mention too about how he goes into the underground bunker complex that the death guard were the loyalist death guard were in and basically digs them out a lot of them digs them out single-handedly so yeah screw that so anyway i hope that uh answered most of your uh, question there joseph uh Definitely thanks for listening to the podcast. We always like getting email from new listeners and stuff. And uh, we'll re- we'll uh, record a thing soon going over all the individual rights of war. We'll get it out for you so you don't have to wait too long for that. So, Heck yeah. Next thing on the list here, we either have the Day of Revelations or the Raven Guard. Which one do you want to do? I don't care. Either one. We're going to do them both, so pick you one. Let's go Raven Guard. Okay. All right, this comes from Andrew says, hi, guys. First off, love the show. Thank you. 30K podcast are the reasons I've decided to get back in the hobby since well, being, since being a kid. That brings me to my question. As a complete beginner, I've made a list, and it would be amazing if you guys could review it. There might be some fundamental errors. I have little knowledge of 40K rules. However, you got to start somewhere, right? Smiley face. I'm hoping that my naivety will reflect that of others looking to begin but scared of making basic mistakes. To this end, your Calf intro cast are great. So yeah, guys, if you haven't checked it out, we have a, a bunch of well, we have a few Calf what to do with your Calf box casts. Go check those out. Uh, we're trying to get more of those up just to help you guys out. They're like new, like Andrew here, and uh, we're, we're slowly chipping those away. Like we only have so much time, <laughs> but yeah. we'll get them out there. We'll get them. Hopefully before the new box set comes out. Uh, the gateway drug that got me started with the horse heresy novels, and from there it was Raven Guard for me. My primary goal is to paint cool. I've gone for an 1850 list with a ride of war that lets you take Korax, cool model, filled it out with Dark Furies, cool models, and Veteran Marines, also cool models. The amazing sculpts are really keeping me involved, but there are a few I just don't like, like Dreadnoughts and Tanks, specifically Rhinos, just not a fan. In my head, the list works by infiltrating the troops and scouting Dark Furies with Vigilators. I hope two jump packs. I hope the two jump pack squads with Korax and a distraction 
will last past the first turn, aided by the Vigilator's stealth, and the Apothecaries feel no pain, and hit home with maxima, maximal ca- maximized casualties before the opponent reserves turn up. I like the infantry heavy all on the board strat, by my, but my concern is all the armor I hear about. What can I do? So I have purchased 20 Mark VI TAC Marines. Without further ado, here's the list. Okay, so first things first, man, as a Raven Guard player, there's a website I'd check out. Uh, it's called Pete Happens. He's a 30K Horse Heresy uh, Raven Guard player, and he's got complete rundowns of specifically Raven Guard tactics. Uh, when I ran my Raven Guard, I actually like went through a lot of his tactics and things like that because he does full breakdowns of all the units that Raven Guard can take. Um, like... He, he does specific units, and he also does generic units, like how, you know, normal TAC Marines are better for Raven Guard than other legions. And he's, he's a full Raven Guard player. He has a full blog about it. It's called Pete Happens. Uh, I met him at Adepticon last year. He's totally cool, or I guess Adepticon this year. Yeah. Uh, super cool guy, real nice. And like I said, he, he put a lot of work into that. So if you're looking for just specific tactics on a lot of your units on there, especially as a new player, a lot of it helps out, especially, you know, with how to load out certain units like Mordathan and things like that before you actually start kitting these models out with specific combi weapons. It'll it'll give you an idea of what combi weapons work for what. Like, I would have never thought that the combi flamer was the best choice for a Mordathan unit until I went to that website and kind of looked over some of the things for, for like, what they do. Right. Uh, but... Going to your list here, uh, first things he's got on the list is he's taking the, we actually just talked about this, Primarch's Chosen, Rite of War. Uh, or he's taking Primarch's Chosen, Chosen. that's how he gets Korax in 1850. Well, he said he's only played 40K, so I'm like, so real quick, let's talk about, he built an 1850 list. So we, right. me and you already talked about this. We've never seen, we don't, we don't, we never see anyone play that points value. That's a very 40K thing. Like yeah. typically, almost everyone plays two thousand points or above. The standard points level we play here is twenty five hundred. Like when anybody, like just comes over to our club night and wants to play a pickup game, when they say, "Hey, do you want to play a game?" they mean a twenty five hundred point game without even stating it. That's typically what we play. Every once in a while, we'll play three thousand. I mean, we like that points level too, but it is a lot of points. Most events that I've seen either play two thousand to make it where the rounds are fast, like Adepticon or they play like 2,500 if it's more like a narrative type thing. I mean, what do you think, Michael? Is that pretty accurate? That's standard, that's standard across the board. I mean, every event that we've ever run has been minimum 2,000. Actually, minimum 2,500 now that I think about it. So 2,500 yeah. is going to be the standard across the board. So 1,850, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, nobody, yeah, nobody runs that. Even in Zone Mortalis, it's because that's like a very 40k. I don't know how they like came up with that points level. It's, I mean, I used to play 40k, so I know that it's that's like the points level that everybody plays at 40k, which is just a weird number. So, uh, when you see people play Zone Mortalis, usually it's in blocks of 500. Typically, it's like 500 or a thousand. Sometimes they do 1250. And then I've seen, you know, the biggest Zone Mortalis I've seen was 1,500. Um, right. I'm sure there's somebody's played bigger. You can play bigger. You can play as big as you want. But 1,500 is a ton of points in Zone Mortalis. So, but anyway, I just wanted to touch on that. 
Um, cause I don't feel like he's trying to be like these guys that are asking about these, uh, this Primarch's chosen. They're both seem to be new players. So I don't think they're trying to be, you know, cheesy or whatever. I just think that they're like, Oh, well, you know, this is the standard size game and I'm never going to be able to take this guy unless I take this right of war. And that's just not right. the case. So anyway, go ahead, Michael. Sorry. No, you're good. So his list has Korax as the HQ. It's 450 points. Uh, he's got two Vigilators, both with Scout Armor, Jump Pack, Power Weapon, Melta Bombs. Um, Which I was three. shocked. I did not know that you could take Scout Armor with a Jump Pack. That's the weirdest thing ever. I like double, triple check that, but you can do it. So it's weird. Yeah. Anyway. So he can take, he's taking Apothecaries, three of them. Uh, two of them have Jump Packs. Two of them have Power Weapons. He's taking two vet squads, uh, six marines. That's odd. So there's six man squads. Six man vet squads. Uh, yep. Two of them have mel- missile launchers. Well, one uh, per well, squad. One, one per squad. Yep. Uh, he's taking a 10 man attack squad and two 10-man Dark Fury squads with Melta Bombs. So it altogether comes out to 1850. Love me some Dark Furies, man, especially with their now that they all have the Raven Talons. Claws. Raven yeah. Talons, yeah. So, uh, so Ryan actually broke this list down for you. He actually went over the list, brought in another list, and just because in, instead of making just a straight 1850 list, because chances are you won't play another 1850 list, he just made it straight 2000, which makes more sense. And I think that you'll actually find more players willing to play a 2000 point list and probably already have 2000 point lists built up. So uh, go ahead and take it away, Ryan. Yeah, so we'll get to that at the end, but I did because you you specifically sent me an 1850 list, so I didn't want to just send back a 2,000-point list because maybe he really, maybe in his area, that's what they play. So I, I designed this list to where it is 2,000, but we can really quickly make it 1850, which we'll go over at the end. So um, I made this 2,000-point list. I took the Raven Guard Liberation Force right at war, so what that gives the army is once per game, you can choose a game turn, and for the entirety of that game turn, every model in your army gains Zealot. So for one game turn, you're going to gain Fearless on all your models and Hatred. So you're going to hit really, really hard for one turn and be really resilient to casualties and stuff. Um, the other thing, it gives you... Uh, we can get into it at the end, but he... Uh, seems to really, really, really like infantry. <laughs> so yeah. I stuck with like an infantry theme list. This right of war gives a pretty insane bonus to uh, militia allies. And obviously if you take a militia army, it's going to be very infantry heavy with lots of bodies running around. And what it does is any militia units that are within six inches of a Legion Astartes Raven Guard model gain fearless. So if you can imagine a 100 point uh, 50 man fearless levy unit, it's pretty pretty nasty so i think that would be good like going forward if he's just like you know if i'm reading him correctly and he really really likes infantry it might be something he wants to try you know he says he came from 40k i don't know what other armies he has he may have a guard army laying around or can source one for cheap or whatever so i think that's good the other thing the liberation force gives you is if you 
complete the Slay the Warlord objective, it's worth D3 victory points instead of one. That can be huge. I can't tell you, like, points are fairly tight in games of heresy, so getting a potential extra two points for something, you know, that you're going to try to achieve anyway that's available in almost every mission type, I think is really good. Could change it all. The other thing about the Liberation Force, the restrictions are there's are basically nil. There's, like, very, very few restrictions. So... I basically went with this because it is Raven Guard Rite of War, so it is fluffy to take. It gives you some pretty good bonuses. The There's very, very little to none, no restrictions for the Rite of War. And the fact that the li- like this list at this low points value, there really wasn't another Rite of War that I felt like benefited what he was trying to do. So it was kind of just like, why not tack it on there? Like there was no reason not to take it, I guess, was the main exactly. reason for taking it. Yeah. So just going to give you some extra rules um and you can take this because obviously you're not spending your right of war slot on a uh primarch's chosen to get Korax because you're just going to take him as a lord of war so without further ado so for his compulsory hq i took a legion centurion just a base centurion no console and put him in artificer armor uh gave him a refractor field a jump pack raven's talons melt bombs He's sitting at 125 points. It's just a pretty cool little character. You can attach the stuff. He'll be really good in a challenge as he'll fight at initiative over most things. And Raven Talons are really, really good in a challenge with shred and rending and all that stuff. So pretty decent. Um, So for his troops, I took a 10-man Legion assault squad. Uh, The sergeant has artificer armor and all 10 assault Marines have melt-a-bombs. And then for the second troop choice, I took the exact same unit again. So another 10 assault Marines. Uh, the sergeant has artificer armor and 10 of those guys have melt bombs Then for elites, I stuck with his three apothecaries, but I gave all three of them jump packs instead of just the two. Um, for his... Uh, then I also took the two veteran tactical squads like he had, but I made one a five-man. Um the sergeant in that squad has artificer armor and a combi melta. Um, three of the basic dudes have combi meltas and the, the guy that can have a special weapon has a melta gun. And then all five of them have melta bombs. And then I took the machine killer veteran skill. So they're going to get plus one to armor penetration rolls. So all those uh, melta bombs and melta guns are all going to basically, you know, start at a value of nine before you start rolling dice, which is pretty good. Um, then for the second Legion veteran tactical squad, I increased it to a 10-man. So it's a full 10-man squad, and I took the sergeant in artificer armor with a power weapon, just like he had. He can run whatever power weapon of his choice. Um, two of the guys in the unit have missile launcher with suspensor web, so it's same as his. Basically, I just combined his two squads into this one squad, and then I gave the entire unit bombs. And then I selected the marksman upgrade for them. So they'll have uh, outflank and sniper and all that stuff, which I think is really good. Then for his fast attack selection, uh, I took basically the exact same Dark Fury squad that he had. He had two in his list. I just went down to one. So it's a full 10-man Dark Fury squad. Uh, the chooser of the slain has bombs. And then for the Lord of War selection, I took Korax. So... He Like he was saying in his list, he was worried about dealing with armor. I feel like this list, with the amount of melt bombs in it, I think every single model 
has melted bombs except for the dark furies except the you know the normal dark furies but every other model in the unit in the army has a melt bomb so the other reason i like this list is you're getting the three assault squads as opposed to the two dark fury squads well you're getting two assault squads and then the dark furies and they all have uh apothecary so you're going to have these three fast units you know that can you know jump out on you in a hurry and then I feel like the these veteran tactical squads I have are a little more uh, kitted up to deal with specific threats, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And I see where you're, where you're running with that. So I, his list, those vigilators that he had, me and Michael were discussing that. I just, I don't really see, that's 240 points to spend on those two guys. I don't feel like it's a very good allocation of those points. I don't think they really add anything to the army. Um the only thing scout. you're adding is scout. So you're basically paying 240 points to get an extra six inches of movement on two squads. Like, to, well, two, six inches, six extra inches of deployment, which I don't, I just don't feel that's worth it. If you scout on, if you scout, you're never allowed to assault turn one. So it's not like you're going to pull off and turn one assault. And when you put Korax in an army, your your run rolls automatically become sixes. You don't even roll and die. You just run six inches. So with these all these assault marines and these um, uh, dark fury guys, you're going to move twelve inches, turn one, and then get an auto run of six. So you're going to move eighteen inches. So if you had the scout, it's twenty four. But I don't because next turn you're going to be moving another twelve and then assaulting. Like the board's only so big. Like I don't, I just don't see you where you need that extra six inches, and it's not going to allow you to charge turn one. So, um, I just don't see the value in it. So, yeah. so basically, I just, I just dropped those and then rearranged your list. Like if you look at it, this is kind of the same list he was running. I just, you know, changed a few war gear things for the most part. Put some more guys in there. Put some more anti tank in there, and then drop the. Uh, vigilators but the, i wanted to explain why i didn't put the vigilators in there yeah yeah it makes sense i mean it, basically you'll just find yourself in the middle of like six inches from the enemy standing there for a turn waiting to get shot at it because you can't assault them you know right right yeah well and even it like let's say they got first game turn right and they're playing a really aggressive army, maybe with Spartans or vehicles where they drive all their vehicles up 12 and then flat out. So now they're moved 18 inches towards you. If you don't scout, then you can move with your jump packs 12 inches and then assault them. So you can assault turn one in that case. But if you scouted your guys and then all of a sudden they like seize the initiative and then move up right in your grill or do whatever, you're, you still have to stand around. So it's actually kind of limits you in a lot of ways like the really the purpose of a scout move in my opinion is to set up a shooting unit um more so than an assault unit i guess unless you just have a really nasty assault unit that's not fast already that's just like terminators or something i could see where scouts beneficial but for the most part if you're like got bikes or um jump pack guys or beasts or anything that's got like a 12 inch move you know it already moves fast without a lot of shooting like that extra six inches is typically not worth it in my opinion no yeah you don't need it yeah so 
anyway, you're the Raven Guard player, Michael. What do you think about this? No, I mean, I see the logic behind not taking the Vigilators. Uh, I, I like the new list all around, especially the uh, tactical squads and the, the veteran squad, especially the veteran squad with missile launchers because they're going to come in and they're immediately going to have infiltrate. So the half range of the suspensor web on that missile launcher doesn't matter. And then you also have the option of... Uh, outflanking them. Outflanking with them if you... I don't know why you'd need to, to be honest with you, but uh, if something was coming in, I guess, from reserves or anything like that, or yeah, you, you, you come in from the side. I mean, it, it's a very fast list, no matter how you look at it. Uh, I could see where you're going to have some trouble <clears throat> against like quad mortars or scorpus war yeah like any of that which me and you talked about that before i mean but that's just a he's kind of put this self-imposed restriction where he doesn't like tanks or armor or any of that which is fine <clears throat> but i mean it's just something you're gonna have to put up with um now he didn't say one way or the other how he felt about drop pods so that was my other thing like immediately when i saw his list i wanted to swap it over to like more of a um what was the Deep what's strike, the other right of, alpha strike I think. decapitation yeah, strike decapitation strike list because if you can imagine like this small uh machine killer uh veteran squad imagine those guys coming out of a drop pod it's gonna be way better but he didn't say one way or the other so um andrew if you're listening out there um you know, I don't know if you're like you said you didn't like rhinos and tanks. I don't know how you feel about drop pods. If you if you're not opposed to drop pods, you may look at um, if you're not opposed to drop pods, you could probably drop these assault marines or at least one assault marine squad and switch it over, switch them over to tactical guys and drop pods, and then also put these veteran squads in drop pods or at least the melta squad in a drop pod if you wanted to. That could be cool. Um, I don't know. Also, don't know how you feel about flyers, but flyers work really well in a Raven Guard list, like a a lightning or a fire raptor or something like that. Storm eagles, I think, and all that stuff's fluffy for Raven Guard. Yeah, you can even take like Strike Commander Mon and start getting some bumps to both drop pod assault. He'll he'll add plus one for drop pods and flyers, so uh, he he can bump that up, especially. Um, and he's cheap. You could basically drop the Centurion out of this list and put Mon in. I think he's like it, 140 or 150. He's not very expensive. Super cheap with Master of the Legion. Comes with Artificer Armor. Like he's pretty oh, no, legit. No, he does not come in with Artificer Armor. He comes with the Power Armor. But he's he's pretty legit with his massive Nuncio Vox that he comes with. He has a 18 inch No Scatter Bubble. He's 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 not great, but he's he can infiltrate, and so he gives you a ton a ton of. He's a buff character. He's not great like at shooting or close combat, but he's not designed to be that. He's to make the rest of your army better. I infiltrate him up when I use Strike Commander Mon. I infiltrate him to where you cannot see him, possibly see him at all. And so he's just like this beacon of no scatter 18 inch. And he just like sits there and calls you know, in everything. Yeah. Calls Which in is everything. very, very Raven Guard. So anyway, getting back to his Primarch's Chosen, like I said, I didn't know about his meta. Um, so you know, maybe that's all they play is 1850, and to get Korax, he's going to have to run Primarch's Chosen. So I wrote this list with that in mind. So the the other that's the other cool thing about this list I wrote him. So if he wants to drop back down to 1850, he can run this exact list that I just went over, 
And all he has to do is drop the Centurion, which you don't need anymore because Korax is going to become your HQ. And then Korax still has Master of the Legion to, to take the Primarch's Chosen Rite of War. So you're basically going to lose the Liberation Force bonuses, drop the Centurion, and then just drop the Melt-A-Bombs off the small five-man veteran squad. The only reason I threw the Melt-A-Bombs on there, typically I don't bother with Melt-A-Bombs on just a five-man vet squad, but I had points. So, But anyway, you drop the five Melt-A-Bombs off those guys and drop the Centurion. There's your 150 points, so you're right back at 1850. And then you just move Korax to HQ, and then you may move your two Legion veteran tacticals to be your two compulsory troop choices because they have to be in Primarch's Chosen, and then the rest of the list stays identical. So it's literally the identical list, just minus the Centurion and Melt the Bombs, moving Korax to a different slot and moving the Veteran Tacticals to a different slot. So that's why I wrote it the way I did, too. Yeah. and But really, I know as simple as that sounds, keeping the Liberation Force is the way to go, though. If you're like in between whether you want to take Primarch's Chosen or the Liberation Force, I know it seems like, oh, well, I can just drop this Centurion and take this other Ride of War and be good to go. But you take that Centurion for a completely army-wide buff of hatred for one turn. And and fearless. That's a big deal. Because yeah, my thing deal. is, I imagine this list getting stuck in turn two. So you're going to, like, what you could basically do is with these, because you're going to have essentially 30 guys with jump packs right in their grill. You could spread those guys out wide and assault the majority of their army, which you're going to be getting a disordered charge, which is usually, you know, bad but then you're going to throw your offensive capabilities back up by giving your hatred with re-rolls and all that. And oh, yeah. you're, and if you happen to lose combat because you spread yourself too thin by a couple wounds, you don't have to worry about it because you're, you're fearless, fearless, but you're tying their whole army up. So And it's, it's, it's going to allow you that first turn that you really press your attack home to just like hit really super fucking hard, which is awesome. It's it's funny because like we're basically talking about like the rest of the army and the whole time I'm thinking like what's Korax doing while all this is going down, like he's he's like just basically staying behind the Dark Fury squad and then comes in and, and basically well, he can he, just, he could he could join the Dark Furies and give them hit and run and tank for them, or he could like you said stay slightly behind them so if they try to shoot at Korax you you know you're taking snapshots or whatever. But the other big bonus he gives this army because it's an all foot army. If you like that first turn is essentially just going to be you moving up to get in range of things. So it allows you to basically get an auto run roll of a six on all models in this army to make it super fast so that you can drive home your attack turn two without any problems all day, son. So fast as Korax. And then he just, after you're all stuck in with the rest of the army, you just bounce in between units and clean up combats. Yep. Different unit. Like if, uh, it looks like the combat swaying one way and one of your, uh, one of against one of your assault squads. Cause I'm pretty sure the dark Furies are just going to be fine no matter what assault they're in. But if it starts swaying, like maybe you jumped in with like a pretty beefcake unit, you just seen Korax over there. He has hit and run, pops him out of the unit, go run him over there and, uh, let him, let him clean up over there a little bit. Yep. Daddy, daddy will help. So. so yeah, I like it. It looks, it sounds fun. I'd play it. Yep. I have the models play that unit. So anyway, I hope that uh, hope that helped you out. Hope that works Andrew. for you, Andrew. Send us pictures of your your Raven Guard once you start getting painted up. I'm really interested in seeing that. I like how you uh, 
went off the deep end with a 20 Mark VI TAC Marines. Yeah. Well, those will, like you said, those will make it cool veterans. He can convert them all up into those veteran tacticals that he's got in that list. Um, also, if you're not opposed to drop pods and all that, and you want us, you know, you know, write you up, you can try this this list out and see if you like it. If you want a different flavor of a list, maybe try writing up a uh, decapitation strike list. And if you're not sure on that, send that in. We'll review that one too. That's how we For roll. Sure. That way, you can uh, decapitation strike those uh scorpus war ones <laughs> and quad mortars yeah <laughs> and quad mortars that's uh you gotta have an answer for that i mean if you're just gonna run at them bare face you just gotta really uh, even apothecaries aren't gonna really help you too much it's just nope they're rough. Well, they don't help you at all scorpus whirlwinds pick up models pick up models pick up models just go judge your just go judge your local meta see if they got it <laughs> just just ask around about what the whirlwind what the whirlwinds are like and if Everybody seems to have one. Then we're probably and Fosfex quad mortars. <laughs> if they listen to this podcast, then uh, they probably have both of those. Yeah. So unless they're in Texas, then they have Leviathan dreadnoughts instead. Yeah. Then you got to run against that. So that was that list. We got another one. This actually comes from a Reddit user submitted on Reddit. His name's Honey Badger Elite. So. Honey Badger Elite says, Hey, I love your podcast, and I found it pretty great as I'm beginning my Legion, Blood Angels. Nice. I know you play Blood Angels as well, so I'm looking for your input on my list. I've been selling stuff on eBay, so I'm about to make one massive Forge World order. Nice. I'd love to get your thoughts before I drain my wallet. That's that's definitely going to happen. Uh, here's my list, and as it stands now, I don't have the books yet, so this is all based on what I picked up from Battlescribe and Reddit. I've already owned Betrayal Kalth, so I'm trying to maximize my use of those models using the Day of Revelation Rite of War. So formatting is weird. So if my formatting is weird. Okay. 2,500 points. All right. So out the gate, he's got his HQ, which is Praetor, with uh, Blade of Perdition, Digital Lasers, Iron Halo, Artificer Armor, Jump Pack. That dude's a beefcake. Like, just straight out the gate, that dude's going to deal some damage. Uh, he attached to that a command squad with a jump pack, three power weapons, and a fist. Uh, I'm guessing those three power weapons are probably going to be power axes, maybe? Maybe. If he's running Day of Revelation, though, because you get the bonus to initiative when you charge in, it sort of sucks taking um, unwieldy weapons because it's like you're foregoing that bonus. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. To be honest, in Day of Revelation, I actually kind of like Lightning Claws. Typically, I don't, you know, care one way or the other. But Lightning Claws are expensive on power armor guys. But if you take Terminators, you know, a, a single Lightning Claw, because they already have their combi bolter, throwing a single Lightning Claw on a Terminator and on Day of Revelation list is pretty cool because they go in at Initiative 5. So it gives you a chance to kill guys before they strike back. 10-4. Yeah, that makes sense. But, um... Yeah, I mean, I would do maybe a mix of... It just sucks because I'm with you because I love the axe. I'm not big into power swords, but then it's kind of like, well, I've taken this right of war and the be the best bonus it gives you is the plus one initiative of your whole army, but then you're just like, eh, I'm not using that. So it's one of those things you got away. I would say that that Blade of Perdition is going to clean up. You might not even need the three power weapons. You might not even need that command squad, to be honest with you, unless you're just yeah. going for wounds. But next thing on the list is the chaplain in artificer armor and jump pack 
then we got two Legion assault squads, 15 men each, with the which 14 man with a sergeant, and that sergeant's got a fist in artifice armor. That's like the ultimate challenge machine right there. Uh, then he's got a tax squad, 20 man strong with sergeant with a fist in artifice armor. Good, good sergeant loadout. It could, and a uh, vexilla. And a vexilla there. Uh, and his elite choice, he's got three apothecaries, a contemptor with a dual close combat weapon. Oh, no, Dreadnought Close Combat Weapon with Elicis Assault Cannons. Oh, yeah, no, it's uh, two Close Combat Weapons with yeah, two, the two power uh, fists Assault with Cannons. Chain, yeah, with yeah. chain guns in the hands. Yep. Nice. Dirty, hairy hands. So that's like, that is a such a versatile fucking contemptor there, man. So yep, good. It's awesome. And then uh, he's got a fast attack. He's got a Javelin with Twin Link Last Cannon and Elicis Assault Cannon. You, in Day of Revelation, you must take a fast attack choice. It yeah. states that you do. So that's probably why he's throwing that in there. It's the tax, the javelin tax. Yep. And then in his heavy support, he's got a Daredeo with alias missile launcher and armored ceremony. He's got a predator squadron. So it's two preds with the illicit sponsons and machine spirits. And he's got a Sikaran with armored ceramite. He says, so here it is. This is what I've been. This is what I've boiled down to after looking at what I've bought and what I will have money for. I'm not saying this will be all and all. It will. I'm wanting to make sure it's a good starting point. If there's something in there that I'll never use or something that is just awful, please let me know what you think. If you'll be able to discuss this on our podcast, love the show again. I can't wait to hear the next episode. So, I mean, this list by itself isn't bad. I, I can see like a lot of the key points on what he's trying to do. Basically, you got that massive 15 uh, man assault squad. They're gonna have. Uh, one of them is probably going to be carrying the Praetor inside of it. Oh, no, the Praetor's going to be running with his command squad. Yep. So We didn't have to, but he can. He'd probably mean, put I the just... chaplain. He could put the chaplain with the assault marines so they all get rerolls to hit. I just realized the apothecaries don't have jump packs. Oh. Well, maybe he put them on there and just didn't write it We're going to assume they do because they should. If you're going to be running them with the Legion Assault Squad. Well, yeah, because he's got two assault squads, and then the third one would either go in the command squad, or maybe the third one goes with no jump pack into the tactical squad. I put it in the command squad if it was going to go anywhere. One, yeah, two, two in the command. Because I mean, we'll, we'll talk about your twenty-man blob here in a little bit, but uh, chaplain's definitely going to probably go. Ooh, would you put the chaplain in with the praetor squad for just like cleaning house, or would you put it in one of the assault squads for making a good squad better? Um, I'd probably put it, I don't know. It's, it's a hard decision. Um, to be honest with this particular list, I would probably get rid of the command squad and then either put the blade of perdition guy in one assault squad and the chaplain in the other, or just double them up in one squad and make one really nasty squad. It's just one beefcake squad. So. Well, all right. So anyway, Ryan actually broke this list down for you. Uh, it's it seems, I mean, really unlike the Predator Squadron and the Zakar and all that stuff. Uh, you, you, it's actually you're moving more into Ryan's territory on like the armored breakthrough side of things. I think that's actually right. The so this li- that's my only problem with his list is it's a little schizophrenic. It's like trying to do too many things, so it's like not really great at one thing. It's just kind of, and some of the stuff feels a little thrown in. Like he said, it's just like. I think he even said, you know, I like these models type thing. 
So like none of this stuff's bad. Like a Dorado isn't bad, but if you're running Day of Revelation, it's supposed to be like this like deep striking, alpha striking type, like all come in rush in type list. I just don't see a Dorado being part of that as being fluffy in the least bit. You know, no. type of thing. So I don't know. That's that may just be me or whatever. So I kind of I basically wrote him two lists. I wrote him an armored breakthrough list and I wrote him a day of revelation list and took elements from both to do one list. And then I took his list and basically split the elements into two lists, I guess. And then he can kind of decide what he wants to do, I guess. So we'll go over the day of revelation list uh, first. So his day of revelation list, this is what I changed it to. So I got a Praetor, Artificer Armor, Iron Halo, Jump Pack, Blade of Perdition, Inferno Pistol, Melt Bombs, Digital Lasers. He's 200 points. And then I also took his Chaplain, which is Artificer. I gave him Artificer Armor, Boarding Shield. It's the cheese option. Jump Pack, Blade of Perdition, Inferno Pistol, Melt Bombs. So this is why Boarding Shields are crazy. So, for one, on these console guys, they only have an option of a refractor field, a boarding shield. What's the other involve save thing they can take? I don't remember. It's iron halo. A combat, a combat shield. shield. No, yeah. consoles can't take an iron halo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm sorry. I yeah, think it's combat, combat shield. shield, boarding shield, or refractor field. Right. So, the thing is, the boarding shield's a no-brainer choice for most of the, most of the time, in my opinion, because... The refractor field is just a five-up invol all the time. The boarding shield is only a six-up against shooting, but it's a five-up in close combat, so it's the same. The th crazy thing about boarding shields is they automatically come with defensive grenades, and you only need one guy in a unit with defensive grenades to benefit from it. So you could put this chaplain in a big unit, and if they get assaulted, all the uh, bonus attacks are going to fall off the enemy unit for assaulting India. Plus, you're still going to basically benefit from the same thing is if you had a refractor field so it's like kind of killing two birds with one stone type of thing so that's why i went with a boarding shield it's really good like really really good definitely worth its points all day so for his troop choices i uh stuck with his two uh 15 man assault squads but i gave him some more war gear so the sergeant has artificer armor and melt bombs and then three of the basic guys in the unit have inferno pistols so I dropped the fists off. Once again, if you're running Day of Revelation, you run that power fist, you're not getting the benefit, I guess. You know what I'm saying? Like you're going, you're striking with unwieldy. Not worth so, it. So I don't, I would rather run the risk with the Blood Angel, like special rules of this guy charging in and being four attacks on the charge because he's two base, uh, one for dual close combat weapon and one for charging and getting to fight first and just hoping they screw their armor save up and dying before they even get a fight because you're going to be at initiative five, then like guaranteeing like that I kill the guy, but I'm also likely to die in the process because if their sergeant and your sergeant square off and peep, they give their guy a power axe or a power fist, you're just going to both punch each other and mutually kill each other. So I feel like, you're getting the bonus initiative, you should probably try to use it. So, and I like the three Inferno pistols in there because it gives this unit a little bit of like, if your opponent runs, it gives it versatility. If somebody, basically any vehicle that's not a 
armor 14 armored ceramite vehicle they're gonna have to be scared of these inferno pistols of you blowing that up and then you got to remember if you blow up someone's dedicated transport and it forces them out you can then assault the unit that was forced out so if they have like guys in rhinos or whatever you can move up shoot them out with the inferno pistols and then assault the guys that get out which is good so that's why i did that so he's got two of those assault squads loaded out that way for elites i took two apothecaries instead of three both of them have jump packs so you'll put those guys in the two big assault squads um then i took a five-man legion cataphracty squad um i gave the sergeant a lightning claw and a grenade harness and a combi bolter and then i gave two basic terminators single lightning claws and combi bolters and then i gave two terminators uh chain fist and combi bolters and they're in a dedicated anvilus pattern dread claw because terminators gain the dread claw as a dedicated transport in the new red book um, the reason I went with three lightning calls in the unit is once again, going back to day of revelation, they're going to get that initiative bonus. So all these lightning calls are going to fight, um, before the enemy and then being blood angels, they get plus one to wound. So you're going to be wounding most things on three with a reroll because lightning calls are shred. So even if they're a two plus armor save, you're going to be pushing so many wounds on them. There's a chance of them failing saves. And then if they're AP three, they're going to die before they ever get a fight, which is good. Or if there are three plus armor save, I meant because you're AP three. All day. So then, also for uh, elites, I took a ten man veteran tactical squad. Um, the uh, so they ha- all have melt bombs, and two of the guys have power axes, and they are marksmen. So these guys get to outflank. So you won't start them on the board; you'll outflank them in. Then for another elite choice, I took another. 10-man veteran tactical squad with marksmen. Um, 10 of them, all of them have melted bombs and two of them have power axes. Uh, then for fast attack, I took two anvilist dread claws so you can put these veterans in there. So because they're not dedicated, if you wanted to outflank with them, you still could and just have the anvilists be empty. I don't, I mean, maybe in some weird scenario you could do that, but it was designed to put those two squads in the ambulances and then your terminators and one of your veteran squads will come in turn one. And then the other one, you know, will sit in reserve and come in later. Um, then for the third fast attack choice, I took a javelin speeder squadron of three javelins. Um, they each have a uh, twin link cyclone missile launchers, and then they each have assault cannons. And then for heavy support, I took a Legion Fire After gunship with autocannon batteries and Hellstrike missiles, and that's twenty five hundred. Very solid list. Just so I, I feel like this hits way, way harder. Super hard, man. I... So it, it... because the veterans, the veterans being so you can pick any veteran skill you want. So he could go weapon skill five on the vets instead of marksman. But the reason I like marksman is just because it gives them versatility. So like if there's a turn they can't assault just because somebody's out of range, you still have sniper bolters or whatever. But if he just absolutely wants to go close combat route, he can. I mean, it's just a he just declares it at the beginning of the game. So, I mean, well, on his army list, but he can, you know, change it from, you know, different. you know, he doesn't have to buy new models is all I'm saying. So if he likes it one way, one way, whatever. (laughs) Um, and 
I, I made this list. So all this stuff going forward, like you're going to like these javelins are, are just totally off the hook. Like blood angel javelins of the salt cannons are just amazing beyond belief with the new points changes and all the rules. Like they're just so, so good. Um, fire raptor is very fluffy for blood angels. He's going to use that getting, having three anviluses. If he ever down the road wants to get more, um, blood angel, you know, dreadnoughts or whatever. You're always like, I, every time I put in a forge world order, there's always an anvilus on there. I always end up with more and more anvilus. Like every time I build lists, I end up taking more and more of them. Um, with the, the new inert, like the new rules changes where they get the inertial guidance. They're just so good. So, so good now. Um, so I feel like the other thing that I like, about my list compared to his list is he said all he had a betrayal of Kalth and yep. he wants to maximize his money. If you look at the list I wrote for him, it uses every model except the dreadnought. It's all day. That's just go buy some blood angels, shoulder pads. You solid. Right. So, cause I got the two or actually, no, I guess I didn't use all of them. I lied to him. Let's see two. Well, it uses the terminators, Twenty of the t- of the thirty tacticals, and then it uses the chaplain. So I guess I I lied. I thought I used more than that. Maybe the uh, that's what it was. I wrote. I, never mind. The second list I wrote for him was more. That was the reason I wrote it was because he said he was on a budget. So anyway, so this list was the ignoring the budget concerns and just trying to basically make his list that he wrote in better. I guess. It's very helpful. <laughs> yeah since you placed the forge world order anyway right so the second list i wrote for him it uses the other elements that he was like i kind of like these models but i didn't put in that list but it's also more budget-minded as this next list um uses every model that comes in the Kalth set that was the purpose behind the list was to write a list that used every model um so Except the one. It doesn't use the... Uh... Oh, no, it does. It does. It even uses the Cataphracty uh, Praetor guy. So the second list is Armored Breakthrough. So the cool thing about Armored Breakthrough is, uh, for one, you get Predators as troops. Two, it makes all tanks that are three hull points or less in your army fast, which is huge. Um, and it makes it give you that Blood Angel feel. Um, and you can still use a lot of the elements that were in your other list. So in this list... I have a Praetor with Artificer Armor, Iron Halo, Blade of Perdition, Melt of Bombs, Digital Lasers. And then I have a Chaplain in Artificer Armor with a Boarding Shield, and he also has a Blade of Perdition. Um, then I have a, for troops, um, a Predator Squadron that consists of a single Predator with Assault Cannon Sponsons, another Predator Squadron that consists of a single Predator with Assault Cannon Sponsons, then a third the third troop choice is a 10-man uh, uh, tactical support squad, all with Volkite chargers. Um, and they're in a Rhino with a pinnel-mounted assault cannon. So you'll take 10 of your powered-armored guys that come in your Kalth box and just buy some Volkite chargers for them, but you'll use the models. Um, then for elites, uh, I took the five Terminators that come in the box set, and then you just take the guy that's supposed to be the Praetor and just make him a sergeant. So it's a six-man Terminator squad. 
So the sergeant has a chain fist. Three of the normal guys have power fist, and two of the normal guys have chain fists. And you're going to put them in a dedicated Spartan assault tank. And the Spartan has twin-linked assault cannons replacing the heavy bolters, um, armored ceramite, flare shield, and dozer blade. And then you're going to put your Praetor and Chaplain in this unit. So you're going to have a really hard-hitting unit coming out of a Spartan. For your second elite choice, it's a 10-man veteran tactical squad. They all have melt bombs. They have marksmen. They're in a dedicated rhino with a penal assault cannon. For the third elite choice, you're going to have the identical squad, another 10-man veteran tactical squad with melt bombs and marksmen uh, in a dedicated rhino with penal assault cannon. Then for the fourth elite choice, you're going to have a Contemptor Cordis Dreadnought with dual power fist and uh, with each power fist has an assault cannon in it, and it's in a dedicated Dreadnought drop pod. And then for fast attack, you're going to have that same uh, Javelin Landspeeder Squadron of three Javelins with Cyclone Missile Launchers and Assault Cannons. And then the heavy support choice is, again, going to be a Fire Raptor with auto cannon batteries and four Hellstrike Missiles. And that's also 2,500. So much rending, dude. So much rending in that list. <laughs> but both of those are 2,500. They both kind of have, ele- like, both lists have elements of your original list, but they're split into two lists. The second list, like I said, I wanted to do this armored breakthrough list for you because it, like I said, it uses every model that comes in that set. You got your Dreadnought in there. You got the 30 powered armored guys in there. You got all six Terminators in there. And you got the chaplain in there. So you're basically just adding to that to get to your 2500. That's solid, man. I like that armor breakthrough list just because, and actually you brought this up with your armor breakthrough list. It's like you don't have to get dug in. You shoot at them, and once they get close enough to you, you move the fuck out. You you bounce. And that's really... Well, and what's funny, though, is once you... They're, they get so one-minded that I have to get close to these tanks, right? I have to get close to them. I have to kill them. They're, you start killing guys, right? And you get them, like, down, like, you know, weeded down a little bit. And then they're still in this mindset, I got to get close to these tanks. I got to get close to these tanks. Then you pounce on them with the vets because they forget that they're four attacks on the piece or four attacks piece on the charge with the Blood Angel rules. So it's like, oh, you want to get close? Okay, cool. Here's my Praetor and Terminators and veterans. So it's like... You can play one play style for the beginning part of the game to whittle them down. And then they're like, oh, well, this guy's playing this way. He's running from me. So then they're like this all ahead push to get as close as they can to you. And then they neglect that. And then late game, you pounce on them with assault with your assault units because the army can do both. The only thing that throws me off is uh, the because you basically have all these fast tanks running around just lighting people up and then you have these volkite chargers you know these volkites lighting people up and right. then you're dropping in a dreadnought drop pod with a with contemptor inside of it yep like would you drop that into like charge range ready to charge an enemy unit or is that more of a drop him 24 inches away let him fucking double assault you can cannon? do both it's it's for one it's for if they have a backfield Scorpus Whirlwind or have backfield quad mortars and they've pushed their whole army up to try to get at your tanks, you drop that in their backfield to just, cause like that one dreadnought running around is going to kill quad mortars or, you know, Scorpus. They're like, they're going to be helpless back there as you just run around and tear them apart. Yeah. Five attacks Um, on the charge. Isn't no nothing. Five strength, 10 attacks, just ripping 
tanks apart. Well, he's nothing. more than that, right? He's three base, two close combat weapons, and then you can declare rage because he's a Cortis. Oh, because oh, he's Cortis. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So five attacks on the charge plus so six. Yeah, six. So, yeah. So he's six rage. strength. To, yeah. That's and then he's got the dual assault cannons going in. So, like I said, it, I, I think like so they say they have a Medusa battery or something back there. You drop him in, leave him in the pod, shoot the assault cannons out of the pod turn one. Then they're going to have to try to crack the pod open and kill it. If they don't, he'll come out of the pod next turn and rip the squadron apart or something like that. So he's good for that. He's also good if they have like a real aggro list. You just, instead of dropping him on their side of the board, you drop it in amongst your stuff. Turn one and just use it as a counter charge unit that's protected by that drop pod shell for the first turn. Just a big old right tackle. Just, <laughs> just protecting the QB. <laughs> right, right. Plus you could... um Depending on how you're playing the list, because that uh, the Spartan with the Terminators is a pretty formidable close combat unit. So if you trip, decide to dart it forward, like move it 12 and then move it another six, like you're flat outing it, you know, 18 inches up the board. People always like the I have horse guys joke about running the contemptors like the JFK bodyguards on the limo, like with your hands on the yeah. Spartan. Well, if yep. you shoot your Spartan forward like that, your dreadnought can't keep up. But typically you only do that really big move with your Spartan on turn one. So this will allow you to, if you want to do a tactic like that, you can go ahead and drop your drop pod in where you're anticipating moving your Spartan like way up ahead and then drive your Spartan up to it and then then do that. So you're basically, you know, allowing him to keep up with it for that turn that you can do that big move. It, and it was more, I basically threw it, like I said, I threw it in there mainly uh, because it already comes in the calf box and I wanted to use the model. If he... Uh, doesn't like the idea of the dreadnought drop pod you could just not buy the you could save that 100 points switch this guy over to a contemptor mortis and put dual carries on it and just have him you know walking around or whatever and then use the 100 points to uh put something else in the list i'm trying to think what you could do um i'm such i'm such a fan of the uh the dual close combat dual assault cannon hands like i can't i couldn't imagine swapping that out for a for a mortis it just doesn't make sense to me yeah i mean that's why to build it this way i like this version better but i'm just saying if he didn't if he wanted to run it where he didn't have that drop pod in there he could do that but uh the volkite chargers being free now are pretty awesome and i really like them on blood angels because blood angels are good in assault just naturally because of their rule and then that the volkite allows you to double tap then they get deflagrated and then you assault in and then the other thing about veteran, I didn't on this just because I was short on points. Uh, he could go through and maybe make some cuts if he wanted to, to come up with like the twenty points. You can buy those guys additional close combat weapons now. So if you could imagine you're shooting them with these Volkite chargers, they're trying to get close to you so they're not getting shot, like to assault you or whatever. And then they assault, and then you're two attacks per guy. Or if they get close enough and fail their charge, or they're just close enough to where you can move up double tap him with the Volkite, then assault, then your three attacks on the charge. So it's like just a lot of attacks in one turn from one unit That's for brutal. pretty cheap points. Pretty cheap points. So Everybody's good at combat when they're, uh, when they have uh, the bloody, with, they have Sanguinous behind them. Yep. So anyway, I, li- I like both those lists. Um, I feel like the, uh, 
they're both good. I think they're both pretty competitive. Uh, the Armored Breakthrough is probably a little more competitive. The Day of Revelation one is still a solid list, though. I don't, I don't think anybody would have a problem running it. I think it's pretty good. If I had to pick between the two, I, I definitely enjoyed the Armored Breakthrough list over the other one. Big time. Yeah. But anyway, but I, I, hope like that, uh, I hope that helps uh, Honey Badger out. So it gives him a couple different list ideas in there. Um, if you notice, the Javelins and the Fire Raptors are in both lists. So what I'm trying to urge you into doing is buying a Fire Raptor and some Javelins. They're both very Blood Angel. Uh, you will like uh, both of them. They're both extremely good units. Uh, all my Since they've changed the Hell Strikes... Uh, the Fire Raptor's been in every Blood Angel list I've ran since then because I had one painted up and I've really enjoyed running it. Um, I only have one Javelin painted, unfortunately. I do own three. But the, when I do run the single one, it's been really good. I can't imagine running three. It's going to be awesome. It's insane. What are you going to do with all that grab wash? I don't know. I think it's funny that it works on Imperial Knights, though. <laughs> yes, yes, it does. <laughs> so... There you go, Honey Badger Elite. Hope that works out for you. Uh, we'll actually send you the list itself. I'll send it to you over uh, Reddit and get it in your message on there. But uh, that way you can actually, you don't have to listen to this podcast every time you're trying to write that list out, especially when you're trying to place that order. But uh, we'll get that done for you. The, the one list with the uh, veterans where you could put them in the Dread Claws, I didn't write down what Legion tack because I wasn't sure. Like I said, like you can run them as basically anything you want. So I just wrote down you know, veteran tacticals with no ability. So I'll let him choose that ability, whatever he wants to roll with. Pick it on the fly the day before. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so I'll get that over to you. Uh, that's going to be all the lists we have. That's it. That's it. Knocked them out. I th- I'm pretty sure this is a longer podcast. Now I think about it. Probably like at two and a half hours right now. Probably. But, but uh, Guys listening out there, if you have lists or you have anything you want us to go over, I mean, really, like, it seems like the whole, like, podcast is moving in that direction where, like, it's reviewing lists and giving advice and all that jazz. Uh, but if you have anything that you'd like for us to go over or look out for you, uh, definitely send them our way. It's going to be uh, Michael at Warhammer30k.com or Ryan at Warhammer30k.com. Uh, and then, of course, I'm also on the Warhammer30k subreddit. And then uh, there's also the Forgotten Legion page that you can leave any of these lists at and uh, basically just give advice and all that jazz. And you you kind of see you obviously just listen to us give advice and see how that works yeah. out. So, we also have those Just the Tip videos that came out if people want to watch those. Those, so those are, are all posted. Fucking awesome, guys. Just let's take a minute. Okay, let's everybody take a knee. So... <laughs> If you haven't yet, and if you haven't checked it out yet, if you go to our YouTube channel, you just go to warhammer30k.com. It'll lead you straight to our YouTube channel, and you'll see a little section called Just the Tips with Ryan Kimmel, and there's this little bearded cartoon on there. If you start going through those lists, and there's more coming, actually. It's badass. It's actually a segment that Ryan actually put together that teaches straight-up tips on how to, and really, I guess the best way that I've been putting it is they're David and Goliath scenarios to like how to take down, you know, knights or how to, you know, use what you like your, your rhino to its best ability. It's not, it's not, you know, how it's not a win all or, you know, how to cheat the game and all this jazz. It's straight up how to use tactics 
to your advantage to help you in scenarios that you are, I guess, poised to lose. Yeah, yeah, overmatched in. Well, like I said, I developed it because when I played 40K, back before 30K existed, I was already had the 30K mentality of I wanted to play this fluffy stuff. That's why I'm so glad 30K came along because now I can be part of a community and play with guys from all over that play this miniature wargaming game the exact same way that I've always wanted to play it, where painting, hobbying, fluff, and all that mean just as much as rules and all that. You know what I mean? So I wanted, I always, when I built my 40K list, came up with a strong theme and stuck to that theme, and I had a moral line that I drew in the <laughs> sand that I would not cross. Like, I'm not using invisibility. It's bullshit. Don't use it. Like, if you use invisibility, I literally want to kick you in the balls in real life. I hate that power. It's stupid. Like, everyone should be able to read that and recognize that it has no part in the game. It's retarded. Like, I don't know who wrote that. I don't know who came up with that. It should not be in the game. It's absolute dog shit. It ruins the game. Stuff like that ruins the game. So, anyway... I had to, because I always ran these quote-unquote fluff lists, I would basically come up with this fluff idea and then build the nastiest list that I could without crossing any moral boundaries or taking anything that I thought was, like, just stupid, like, just thrown together for the sake of this being really powerful, but obviously doesn't make any sense. You know what I'm saying? So when I would go to these events, because if you go to this 40K event, you're always facing, like, you know... Eldar and Dark Eldar allied together with, you know, D-guns riding around in fucking Dark Eldar transports. Just a bunch of bullshit that makes zero sense that's just really overpowered, and I'm driving around with tactical marines and a rhino. So I had to figure out ways to make those tactical guys in the rhino, like, basically not just be a tax that I have to pay to get something good. Like, I have to be able to utilize these basic fucking elements to do something for me so it's not just a total boat anchor when I'm fighting these lists that are really overpowered. So I'm basically explaining all those tactics that I used to use and ways that I dealt with stuff in these videos, sharing the knowledge, I guess. Hell yeah, dude. I mean, there's 11 videos up right now, more are on their way, and each one is only, I mean, less than five, six minutes, and it's just, it really does go over like different used to different ways to use a rhino different ways to uh fight a knight different like i mean i I want to do a drop pod one i think the next one we talked about i think i want to do drop pods like just like ways to combat drop pods how to stop certain drop pod things and also how to utilize drop pods make people afraid in your local meta to drop pod their army directly in your (laughs) fucking face like that's like all you gotta do is do this trick two or three times and they will stop drop they will stop being so brave with their drop pod i get it yeah so go check that out guys just the tips warhammer30k.com just the tips and then with ryan all of them have his little face on it you'll you'll recognize him <laughs> so uh definitely go check that out guys we do have some battle reports on there we have our weekly webcast we post up uh hopefully more battle reports are on the way and then uh Black Label Painting, actually, I think today or tomorrow, they're going to do their first Twitch stream. 
So hopefully I get this up by tonight. Go check out their Twitch stream, Black Label Painting. That's David Sampson. Uh, I believe he will also be starting to upload videos on the Warhammer 30K YouTube channel. So you'll actually be able to see him. And he pretty much paints exclusively Warhammer 30K models, Horse Heresy models. So you'll there's tips and tricks on there. If you go to his live Twitch stream, uh, you will I mean, see straight out the gate, just nothing but a horse heresy. And then you also get to talk with him, chat with him. He's a super nice guy. I think Ryan actually paints with him quite a bit uh, on Hangouts and everything like that, right? Well, we, we just started that. We've only done it once, but we've talked about, like, for, like, on the weekends when I'm bored or whatever, if I'm painting at home or hobbying at home, wife goes to bed early, I'm going to start hitting him up because he seems to always be up late. So we're going to start, like, bullshitting and hanging out over holding Skype hands. and painting. Holding hands. Holding hands while you, yeah, yeah. while you hobby together. I'm gonna I'm gonna show up, show up with my pants pulled down, where you can just see the base of the root, and just open the conversation with, "Do I need a haircut, David?" That's what, that's how that's gonna go. It's gonna he's gonna answer the call, and it's just gonna be that pubes in his face. Hey, David, do I need a haircut? That's perfect. That's exactly how you start every conversation. So yeah, go check out a uh, black label painting on Twitch. Super nice guy, David. Super cool. Love that guy. Love you, David. I know you're listening right now. Probably on the shitter. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, other than that, I really don't have anything else. I think we can close it out, Ryan. Uh, well, actually, you know what? I, I'd like to do a podcast shout out. Go check out the guys over at Eye of Horus. If, I'm pretty sure if you're listening to us, you definitely know about the guys of, at Eye of Horus. Yeah. Uh, they're an Australian podcast. Go check out the Northern Heresy uh, the Swedish podcast, and of course the Varangian Heresy, Varangian. Another, another Swedish podcast. Another Swedish podcast. And they invited also- me on, so if you if you uh, just really like torturing yourself with my nasally voice, I did an episode of uh, about Blood Angels with them. You can listen to more of me blather on and not shut up. <laughs> and then there's also the Geno Five Two podcast out of the UK. Those guys are pretty cool over there too. There's a whole bunch of 30k content out there, guys. Go check out there's them. Loaded dice. There's uh, what? There's a uh, what's JT's Age of Darkness? Called? Age of Darkness. Um, there's the After Olnor podcast. That one's awesome. That one's more about the books, though. Like, so isn't so JP's like that too? Yeah, yeah. So that's pretty cool, guys. Uh, just initiative. Yeah, CG Initiative. They kind of took a break, but a lot of their older content is still pretty awesome. They go a lot into tactics in their podcast itself. So go check them out. Sean, Sean the Violence, pretty fucking cool. I think, I don't know if the Wolfkin's still doing their podcast, but there is also the Wolfkin podcast out of Seattle with Rob Porter. So now, now soon to be coming out of Alaska. Soon to be coming out of Alaska. So go check them out, guys. Uh, we'll actually close out this time. I think we're all good. (laughs) All right. We have a good one, guys. And we're out. Later. Later.